What is up, Fathom fam? We're so thankful you're here hanging out with us. If you're a guest, welcome to the family. You don't have to be perfect to be here. We're just all on a journey together, uh, learning and growing to be more like Jesus. And you're accepted right where you're at. And, um, and, but God transforms us in really unique ways. And I pray that God is meeting you right where you're at today in this service and in the series we're in. We're in part three of a series called Jesus at the center. Uh, I don't know about for you, but this past month has been a roller coaster of emotions, and it's amazing how quickly things can change. Like my day can be going perfectly fine, and then the internet starts acting up as soon as I'm about to jump into a meeting, or my middle son, his his schoolwork won't upload, or something like that, and it throws everything. and And I feel like I've lived an entire week or month of emotions in a single day. Every single day, it's, it's just been a roller coaster uh, of emotions, and, and I, I don't know that I've lost any years off of my life yet, but I've definitely gained some gray hairs in this uh, season, and, and I just uh, believe that God has laid a, a word on my heart today that really is a picture of what Israel was going through, and they had kind of a roller coaster of emotions, and I think that's going to land with where we're at in uh, this season, uh, because it's really at the beginning of Israel's journey after they are delivered from Egyptian slavery. Four hundred years of Egyptian slavery, so they're like they're victorious and they're excited. And in like the beginning of chapter fifteen in Exodus, is like they're singing songs of triumph and victory and. I don't know if you've got a song. Do you have a song you sing when like everything's going awesome? Like my song is Frank Sinatra's, I've got the world on a string sitting on a rainbow. I love that. That's like when everything's going good, I'm singing a little bit of Frank uh, Sinatra, but things change as they begin to work their way into the wilderness. So I want to preach a message today entitled Three Days in the Wilderness, and we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 15, beginning with verse 22, right? The Red Sea's been parted in in 14, the beginning of 15. Uh, They're singing songs of triumph, and then we pick up in verse 22. Uh, Exodus 15, 22 through 27 says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter, and that's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Uh, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink, and the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Man, what a roller coaster of emotions, this first three days in the wilderness. The Red Sea is parted. They've seen God show up in incredible ways. They are singing and dancing, millions of people traveling into the wilderness. But things start to change as they move into the wilderness. The water becomes scarce, their canteens are running out, and the bills start rolling in, so to speak. Just like for many of us, like we're just a few weeks into this, what many economists might call 
um, an economic wilderness, uh, a, a recession possibly on the early stages of a, of a recession. We, we don't know, but we are in these beginning stages of uh, a wilderness season as we've been uh, separated and, and, and we're still trying to walk through this season together. I think there's a number of things that, that God wants to speak to our heart out of Exodus chapter 15. And the first is that there is purpose in the wilderness. You see, for Israel, this was a literal wilderness. It was a desert. It was a desert of Shur, but it's often called a wilderness. And we see wilderness theme throughout the Old Testament. And, and I really want to lean in today that there is a purpose because it was a literal um, wilderness, but it was also a metaphorical wilderness for them. There's also foreshadowing in these three days of wilderness journeys that's really what the next 40 years are going to look like for the people of Israel. Not only that, but I think it can be directly correlated to the life of a believer in our relationship with God, the seasons, uh, these uh, um, different seasons that Israel went through of uh, slavery, like that, that lines up with just as Christians, like we were enslaved to sin until we repent and turn our our back on our sin and, and confess that we need Jesus. We're in need of a Savior because that's the reality. All of us, even if you're looking at me today and, and watching uh, this service online and you don't have a relationship with God, hey, the reality is we're all sinners in need of a Savior. None of us are perfect, but God made a way for us. So we all go through that season, and after that, we go into a wilderness season. We think everything's going to be amazing, and, and everything is, maybe for three days. But then the water starts running out. We start feeling anxiety. We start feeling stress. We start murmuring. We start complaining. We're like, I thought this was going to be amazing. I thought we were going to be singing songs of victory forever. And we realize the wilderness season follows us here as well. And I just want to tell you that there's a purpose in the wilderness. The wilderness isn't fun. I wish I could tell you it's fun, but it's, it's not fun, but it's, it's necessary for us to first learn the character and the faithfulness of God. Israel, in their slavery, they could go right down to the Nile River to get water. Now they're in the middle of a desert, and they need for God to provide. And they learn his faithful character time and again. And, and this would be one of those first opportunities in which they're seeing the faithfulness of God in the, the wilderness. Not only that, uh, do, is that one of the purposes in the wilderness is to learn the faithfulness and character of God, but we learn submission and obedience to the will of God. We learn that, hey, uh, my will is, is not over God's will, that, that God's will comes first and he has a plan for our lives and, and he's calling Israel here as he's calling us to walk in obedience. And the third thing, I think, of a purpose in the wilderness is not only learning the character and the faithfulness of God and submitting and learning obedience, but I would say also learning something else that we see in the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is one of the most interesting prophetic books in the, the Bible. There's a lot of really interesting prophetic books in the Bible. One of them is called Hosea. There's this prophet named Hosea, and God calls him to go and marry a harlot named Gomer. What an awesome female name, Gomer. And uh, she's in harlot. Like she's given herself away to all kinds of other men. And, and God tells Homer, or uh, tells um, Hosea to go and marry Gomer and love her faithfully. And it's because God wanted uh, Israel to see this picture of his undying faithfulness to them, despite their unfaithfulness. I, I want to look at something in uh, chapter 2 of Hosea, verses 2 and 3. Check out what it says. 
It gives us a window into how God feels about uh, Israel's posture before him. This is hundreds of years later after this moment uh, in Exodus. Uh, Verse 2 says in chapter 2, Let her remove the adulterous look from uh, her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. I don't know, does that sound like your mama or your daddy when you were growing up? You better get that look off your face. That's kind of what God is saying to them. You better get that look off your face. He goes on in verse 3, Otherwise I will strip her naked and make her bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert and turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst Right? I mean, this is almost, you know, uh, Exodus is really foreshadowing with this later prophecy that will be revealed. And Israel is still trying to learn this lesson after many hundreds of years. And, and it's this strong message that, that there's consequences to their actions when they ignore God and they continually be unfaithful to God. But God's love is faithful. And here's, if you skip down to verse 14 and 15, it's so beautiful. And it gives us a different glimpse of the purpose of the wilderness. Verses 14 and 15 say this in chapter 2 of Hosea, therefore I'm going to allure her. I, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of a core, which means trouble. I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. And there she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. God is saying, in this day of trouble, in the wilderness, I'm not leaving you. There's a purpose in this season. And it's not just to learn of his character and his faithfulness and to learn obedience. It's because he wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to grow and he wants to take you into the wilderness. And so the next time anxiety is coming on, the next time the bills are coming due and why water's running out, and you're wondering, God, why am am I in this wilderness? Yes, it's to learn about his faithfulness. Yes, it's to to learn surrender and obedience to his will, but understand God is drawing you closer into an intimate relationship uh, with him, and and he wants to restore something in you. I just believe in this season where so much has been stripped away, where where many, the water reserves are running out, the bills are coming due in this time. I think God wants to restore some vineyards that have been taken some marriages that have fallen to the wayside, some family time, some spiritual lives that have been put on the back burner, relationships with God that's been a, a, an afterthought. God is bringing it to the forefront uh, again, and he wants to bring those vineyards. And, and what seems like a valley of trouble, God is bursting forth with a door of hope in your life. There is purpose in this wilderness that we embarking, are embarking on only three days in. The, the second thing I believe that we see in this text is about disappointments, that disappointments are in the wilderness. I, I wish it, it weren't so. I've got lots of things I'm disappointed about in the season. You probably uh, do as well. And the people of Israel actually were getting excited because they were starting to complain about this, but then they look over the hill in this desert and they see an oasis, right? We've seen this in movies before where they go over and they think it is, but it's a mirage. Well, this time it's not a mirage. It's just a big disappointment. It feels like a cruel joke, like, man, we needed water, and God, where are you now? And we taste the water, and it's bitter. Man, so in, in this season, so many, maybe the, the stimulus hasn't come in yet, and you're, you're waiting on it to pay your, your mortgage or pay your rent. Uh, maybe you applied for a PPP um, a loan that's out there, your small business, and, and, and you did all the application, and if that wasn't there, you wouldn't even be disappointed about it. you just figure it out. 
But now that it's there and you've applied and you didn't get approved or it didn't come through, you're disappointed. It's bitter disappointment that we face. And I would love to tell you that it's, it's all rainbows and butterflies when we come out of, uh, out of Egypt, out of slavery. But no, no, there's a wilderness and, it's, and it happens in our life and there's a purpose for it. That disappointment that we find in the wilderness, Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says to the church at Philippi, look, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And, and the voice translation goes on to say that, so that I may safely arrive at the resurrection, so that I can get to maturity, so I can finish this race. Something's got going to happen through this disappointment. The disappointment isn't for nothing because you see what lied behind, what was sitting right behind this immediate initial disappointment for Israel was a divine appointment in disguise. I want you to hear that again. What lies in the wilderness, these disappointments in the wilderness are really divine appointments in disguise. God wants to form something in us. We can't know the faithfulness and the goodness of God and the love of God without also tasting some of the bitterness. That's what Paul is saying in Philippians 3.10 is that we've got to know that. And Moses cries out to God. He cries out and God immediately begins to respond. He steps in as an intercessor for the people of Israel and we see that. And so I just want to tell you, whatever you're disappointed about in this season, be honest about it. Take a minute today, this evening or in the morning, and write down some of your disappointments. It doesn't take very long, does it? I can think about, man, I was supposed to be in Israel earlier this month. I can think about, hey, we're, we're planning a sabbatical, and we're planning that, and, and who knows what's going to happen with that. We'll keep you posted. Uh, I was excited about Easter, and that's just like one of the biggest days of the church to be together. We had all kinds of great things planned, and so many disappointments. Will you just be honest about your bitter disappointments in the season, but then prayerfully embrace the opportunity that lies behind them, an opportunity to trust God. An opportunity to come to know the character and the goodness of God. Maybe it's to come to taste just a small taste of the bitterness, of disappointment that, that Jesus endured for us. And then maybe flip it. Go away from the, the disappointments and look at God. What are the one to three divine appointments that I can see through this season. I can see you working in my family. I can see you teaching me to trust you more. I'm learning about your character in this season, there is a purpose in this wilderness. There's also some disappointments, but behind them, there's a divine appointment in disguise. Not only these two things that we see with Israel, but we also see God's miraculous provision in the wilderness. You know, uh, it, it got to the point where Moses is crying out to the Lord, and I love how quickly God responds. He's like, Moses, boom, there's a stick. Awesome. God, what am I supposed to do with a stick? It's not like this is not a manna from heaven moment. There is something that is going to be required of Moses in this moment. There is something that's going to be required for the people of Israel for God to finish what uh, he wants to finish in their lives. Uh, here, he, he wants to provide for you. He wants to provide for me in the wilderness. In fact, he wants to be our provision when we're not in the wilderness. He is our provider. He loves you and he loves me and he wants to walk us through the season. Read what verse five, uh, 25 says. Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it in the water and the water became fit to drink and the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. There was a testing in the season. 
Marah, where they stand at the spring, this oasis, is in like western Saudi Arabia in the middle of the desert. Uh, Dr. Colin Humphreys uh, believes that this was uh, about a thousand uh, yards from something known as the Caves of Jethro uh, that are known in that region just outside of a little town called Al-Bad. I have trouble with some of the Middle Eastern names. Al-Bad is what it's called, though. And, and there's another explorer by the name of St. John Philby who, who wrote about this tiny spring that they found there. And it was called Al-Maliha, Al-Maliha. And what was unique about this spring and why they think that this is indeed the spring uh, that the people of Israel uh, drank from is because the waters are sweet. It's sweeter than the Nile. It's sweeter than all the other waters. But what makes this such a contradiction uh, that the water is sweet because the name is Al-Maliha, which literally means salt well. It's bitter waters, but it tastes sweet. Look, I don't know if this is really the spring that they drank from, but what I do know is God provided supernaturally for Israel, and He can provide supernaturally for us. But if you really look into the text here, God doesn't bring manna from heaven this time. He just shows them a stick. Sometimes the provision of God doesn't come in manna from heaven. It just comes in direction, like, hey, you should call that person. Hey, you know what? You could do this for some side work now. And what happens in this moment, God uh, sometimes will provide for us by giving us direction because direction will, will be linked to our obedience and our obedience is linked to our trust. And our trust is linked to our heart. So God's not playing a game with us. He's just jealous over you. He just loves you so much and He wants your heart. He wants to provide for you. Uh, but that's going to require us following his direction. Hey, there's a stick there. Okay, God, what am I supposed to do with this? And Moses begins to look at this stick that's there. And some believe that, hey, maybe this was like a charred piece of acacia wood. And, and when he threw it in the water, the charcoal it has been known across civilizations to be a purifying effect. And the pollutants kind of moved and they were able to, to scoop out water and get the water they need in the season. I'm not sure totally by that, but here's what I do know is Moses looked at this stick and he was willing to throw it into the water. Moses had used a stick before, the one that was in his hand. He had used uh, his staff to raise it out, and God parted the Red Sea. He had thrown it down uh, in, in a moment of doubt, and, and it turned into a snake, and he picked it right back up, and he turned it back in, into that staff. God had see, Moses had seen God move with that staff, but this time God wanted to do something different. Oftentimes when we're in the wilderness and we need God to show up, we're looking for provision. We look back on how God provided before. We look on the miracles that he did last time, and we believe that God will use the same people. He'll use the same methods, but what I'm telling you today is God's provision in the wilderness will come in fresh and supernatural ways in your life if you're willing to follow the direction. And, and he didn't even tell him to throw it in the water. Uh, Moses was just having to discern, what is God asking me to do in this moment? And it's in that that intimacy begins to happen. And he's hearing the voice of God. He throws it out in faith, and God does a supernatural miracle. And so here, here's one of the big things I want to hi highlight to you when talking about the provision of God. Because when you go to God... God has already has the provision for you. He, he doesn't have to run to the store and get it to make it for you. He already has the provision laid out. There's already a stick there. He's, all, he's already got it worked out. And so we can rest in that. But so many times we have so much fear about provision 
for a number of reasons. I think one of the deepest ones is we just don't believe that God is a good father. Maybe you didn't have the, 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 the most faithful father in your life. Maybe you didn't have a father at all. Maybe food was scarce on your table at home growing up. Maybe food is scarce on your table now. And, and I just want you to know that you have a good father in heaven who gives good gifts to his children and wants to care for you. And you have a church family that want to be there and care for you. So let us know how we can serve you in this season. If you are struggling to provide, you've got a church family that's here for you. And then secondly, I, I think we struggle. We, we have fear over provision because frankly, we don't see God as our provider. And we're going to spend some time next week talking about Jesus as our uh, provider because here's the reality. Though God wants to provide for us, but he's going to give us direction and it's going to require us to obey. We can't grow in our faith unless we grow in our obedience. We can't grow in our faith unless we grow in our obedience. And some of us are stuck in our faith because we're stuck in our obedience. We're stuck in our disobedience. So my challenge to you is to look beyond what you've seen before, how you've seen God move before. Look beyond what you know now and trust God to provide in the wilderness. The last thing I see in the text here is the name of God, Jehovah Rapha. And I want to talk about what God was healing in uh, Israel at this time and what God wants to heal in us in this season. Let's look back at verse 26 for just a moment. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I and the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. If you look in the New Testament, it's kind of an interesting, interesting study to look at healing. Sometimes God heals because of the faith of an individual. Uh, Lee talked about earlier, uh, the, the woman with the issue of the blood, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Sometimes it's the faith of a family member or a friend. I mean, look at the centurion who his servant uh, was sick. Jesus comes and heals his servant or the paralytic who's lowered down into the building. The faith of his friends, Jesus is moved by and he heals the man. Sometimes um, you know, we find in, in our day and age, God doesn't heal and he's sovereign uh, and we trust him in that. That sometimes Jesus does it and there's no instructions. There's no vivid accounts of faith. Jesus heals because he wants to heal and because he is a healer. Um, but sometimes it's a matter of obedience. Take the man who, who Jesus rubbed mud pies in his eyes and said, go and wash your, your, your face in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, his eyes were open and he was healed. And, and looking at these four different ways in which God moves in healing in the New Testament, here we're looking back at the Old Testament, and God is a healer in the Old. He's a healer in the New. It is who He is. He's never changed, and He hasn't changed today either. But this passage, uh, this is obviously one of those that, that's pointing to, oh, this is a matter of obedience, because the Scripture says, if you listen carefully, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to protect you from these diseases that the Egyptians had, because I'm the God who heals you. God is speaking deeply to the people of Israel that... Not only are they may not be in Egypt anymore, but Egypt is in them, and God needs to do some healing work in this season. The, the King James Version says, not if you listen carefully, it says, if you diligently hearken. The, the Greek says, shama, shama. I love that. I, lo I love nouns and verbs like this in the Greek where it's just two repeated verbs or two repeated nouns. Uh, listen carefully, shama, 
Shama. It's to, to bring uh, enunciation and energy to this and focus to this. Like, if I were saying this in my own translation, you need to really, 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 really listen and obey. Because if you do, God wants to heal you. God wants to protect you and in, 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 uh, get these things uh, from old out of you. Why? Because that's who he is. That's who he is. He's a healer, and he wants to be a healer in your life. The late Bible teacher, author, and theologian, um, Jamie Buckingham, which many of you will know Scott Buckingham here as a part of the Fathom fam. His grandfather was a a famous theologian and and teacher, and and he um, uh, taught on this in in some of his uh, writings. He was speculating, really, that this this water here that was uh, scooped out, that the pollutants would have dropped to the bottom, but what would have been left in the spring is a very rich magnesium and calcium content, uh, which in a person's diet, a high magnesium and high calcium, uh, would have a a twofold impact in their life. First, it becomes a laxative. So I just kind of have a funny picture in my head right now of uh, Israel in the middle of the desert, millions of people, and they're drinking this water as they're traveling and moving over to these springs, and they've got, you know, just serious laxative in their system, and they're just ha- they got a mess on their hands. But in this season that seems like a mess, God is pushing something out of their system. The provision was not just about provision, it was about purification of their spirit. He didn't just purify the water, he wanted to purify his people. And in this season where we don't understand what God's doing, not only is he purifying the waters, he's purifying his people, he's purifying you and I. But there is a second uh, reason in which this magnesium and and calcium, what would be called like a a, a drug called dolomite, which could be used, it's not prescribed often today as I understand, but it would be used as a performance enhancer in this time. It would be used as a performance enhancer under hot conditions. So not only was God cleaning out Egypt from them and getting the pollutants, getting the world from them that they had known of slavery, he was actually preparing them for the journey ahead. He had a rich future. There was an inheritance and they were going to wander and be unfaithful. But somehow in all this, God was not only purifying, he was preparing them for what lied ahead. I don't know how you feel today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you need some physical healing in your life or maybe some emotional healing from your last church you came from or what happened to you when you were a child. I don't know if you don't, you're wondering about food on the table and paying your bills. I want you to know God's a provider. I don't know if you're just confused by all this and can't see the purpose in it. I want you to know God's got purpose in it. And it's not just to get to know him and to grow in his, and, and understand his faithfulness, but it's to know him in an intimate way. I, I don't know what disappointments you've come across in this season, but I know that there's divine appointments if we'll just slow down, pay attention to them. God's doing something big, church. And I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. I want to pray with you today as we close. And I just want to remind you that God has a purpose in the wilderness. He's, he's got divine appointments in this season where it seems like just a bunch of disappointments. God is a provider in the wilderness, and he is your healer. And he's my healer in the wilderness. He's purifying something in us, and he's preparing us for something ahead. And frankly, I can't wait to see what it is. Let's be faithful in this season. I want to pray over you and just pray God's blessing. God, I thank you for this people, this people you've joined together for such a time as this. God, help, 
Help all of us to not just run this race alone, but to jump into a group, to be a part of a family. God, help us to not just see our own needs, but help us to pick up the phone and call friends and call family members and and check on them and and be the church in this season like we've never been it before, God, because you are purifying some things. You're getting some Egypt out of us, God, but you're preparing us for Canaan too, God. And so I just pray in this season that no one with the sound of my voice would, would leave this moment, God, this moment within the season, this wilderness, God, we would leave this moment that there's a divine appointment that you're meeting with us and you are moving us ahead in our calling and in our relationship with you, God. We love you today and help us and bless us as we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Hey, if God's moved in your life, if you're making a decision to follow Christ, hey, go ahead and click there. Let us know. If you're brand new to Fathom, uh, text Fathom to 97,000 sometime today and just fill out a connect card. Give us an opportunity to lead you. If you've made any decisions, you're ready to be baptized. Put me on a serve team, coach. I'm ready to be in. Uh, Wherever you're at, we're ready to meet you there, and we just pray blessings over you uh, this weekend. We'll see you soon.